Kia ora and welcome to the Kerry Podcast, where we highlight research that weaves together the Word of God in Scripture, the world in which we live, and the work of Christian discipleship. We invite you to join us as we explore ways in which we can live, serve, and witness with Jesus in our constantly changing world. Tene koutou. Uh, my name's Phil Halstead. I'm a lecturer at Kerry Baptist College in the areas of pastoral care and pastoral counselling and a few other things. And one of the highlights of a job like this is uh, getting to supervise uh, wonderful people as they do master's thesis, PhDs, etc. Uh, today, uh, I have the privilege of interviewing Alison Davidson, who did a magnificent uh, master's thesis on the topic of uh, motherhood and faith journeys. I had the, it was such a rich experience uh, supervising Alison. Uh, she drove it, really, of course. And uh, the um, podcast you're about to hear has many highlights as you'll experience, but one for me that stands out is the dance between uh, can you live a faith journey throughout every day as a mother? Uh, do you have a specific time with God? Uh, can the two meet? There's this dance between faith and motherhood uh, that you will be blessed by as you listen to Alison. Thank you. It's fantastic to be here with you, Alison. Um, it's been a real privilege supervising you through your master's journey of studying motherhood and faith. And um, before you sort of get into that topic, I was wondering if you could tell people a little about yourself, you know, um, uh, where you were born, uh, what your interests are, uh, cats or dogs, coffee or tea, how are you going to change the world in three easy steps? And you've got 10 seconds. <laughs> okay, wow, three easy steps. Okay, um, I was I was born in Auckland. I've lived most of my life in Auckland, although a, a couple of sojourns to um, Rotorua and Teikawiti. And uh, oh, neither cats nor dogs, hmm. not really my thing. And uh, never coffee, always tea. Gotcha. Um, yeah, unless I'm going out, and then I'm uh, a hot chocolate girl all oh, the way. Wow. Um, yeah. That's quite disappointing. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but your thesis is not. Um, you studied the topic of motherhood and faith. Why? Why did you choose that topic? I think... When asked that question, I come back to the old sort of adage of write what you know. And for me, having been a mother now for um, sort of nearly 30 years, which is, just seems crazy, uh, it, was a, it was a big part of my life. And yeah, I've got three children, so that was a, a, a big um, journey with them. And then when I started theology study about um, six or seven years ago, something like that, what I kept bumping up against was the mother theme. So for instance, when I did um, the Gospel of Luke, to me what kept standing out and what kept kind of coming in front of my eyes were the mothers in the story, the mothers that had been included. 
And so obviously there's uh, Mary and Elizabeth and the infancy narrative, but then as you go on, um, Jesus kept interacting with mothers, with the, the widow of Nain. He, um, he returned her son to her. Um, Peter's mother-in-law, obviously the next thing she had to do was prepare them food, but that's okay, that's good. And then he himself expressed wanting to kind of gather in the people as a mother hen gathers her chicks. And that's such a, a vivid and maternal image. And it was it was like, you know, the, here is this, this imagery, this language, and these people that have been included in the gospel story. And that uh, was really quite powerful to me. Further study, I did theological anthropology, and again, it was an opportunity to explore motherhood more um, theologically in areas like um, the idea of that it's not um, an ultimate thing. <laughs> it's not, um, it's a penultimate thing, not an ultimate thing, that, that the move towards mothering is is something that, but, but never as, um, vital and important as as our relationship with God. Yeah, wow. Um, I'm sort of all along the journey have been thinking, is there a larger topic than motherhood, full stop? And, and I'm thinking probably not. I'd be interested to know your opinion there. But then you've connected motherhood to faith journeys and, and, and a master's thesis. And I, I'm just wondering if you could walk us through the sort of journey of writing a master's thesis on topics of such importance and size. And I'm also guessing just about everyone has an opinion on this topic. We all have experience in this area, one way or another. How was it to write a master's thesis? <laughs> well, I think a couple of the really interesting things that, that I experienced even outside of actually writing the thesis um, was when you were talking to people and, and you'd say you're studying and what are you studying and what's your topic and you would say motherhood and faith and there was this general the feedback that came from people all sorts of people ages and stages was wow that's an amazing wow that's oh that's a really what a good topic that's such a oh that's really well that'll be interesting and fascinating and and that was like well that was that was really um encouraging for yep. me yep. what was interesting um in contrast to that i found was when i actually approached women t to share their stories as mothers was very often uh, their their um, response was oh, well, I probably won't have much to, to sort of share. You know, it probably won't take very long. I'm not sure I've really got anything that's going to help you. And I thought, what an, what an interesting contrast mm. between this general idea that this is significant and, wow, what a, you know, that's really interesting, but that, that many of the mothers themselves didn't see their stories as that. Mm. And, and it made me... Well, I guess in, in some instances it made me quite sad yeah. because they um, kind of minimised their own experiences to mm. that degree. But also I guess it, it gave me even more um, motivation to kind of to do this and to pursue it and to sort of press into it and give 
um, value and give honour and show their stories and explore their stories and what that meant and how that was significant and how we could then uh, see that as a significant thing for the rest of us. So that's kind of sort of outside even what was the, the process of doing it. What was the process? Like, did you did you go and have a... Well, neither tea or coffee, if I follow correctly. <laughs> Certainly not coffee. Did you go and uh, interview them? Did they come to you both? How did you get to know their stories? Many cups of tea. Um, to, to start with, lots of reading. Uh, lots of reading, and that kind of became a journey in itself because you start uh, in, a, in in one place, and then that leads you into other places, and and kind of opening up into um, mothering and Christian mothering and some of those uh, aspects of that. But then feminist theology, and and particularly how it related to um, being very relational, and and that being a key element of it. And then I think also really touching on this whole idea of the sacrament of the everyday or the liturgy of the ordinary, the idea that the things that we do that may not seem uh, significant or important or, or big or really super spiritual, but the everyday things we can also, um, they can be avenues to worship and avenues to grow in our faith and our, and our experience with God. As for the practicalities, um, this thesis was uh, narrative inquiry and so it was a, a process of sitting with uh, seven women and talking with them about their experiences as women, as mothers and as mothers of faith. So how, how and where did that intersect and how did they work that out? What kinds of spiritual practices did they engage in? What had they had to change maybe since having children or what did they miss or how did they kind of get treated or you know, the kinds of things that they were doing as uh, individuals but also as they talked about, as they shared their faith with their children, with their families and um, I mean, I just loved that part of it, to just um, sit, to talk, to listen, and to kind of draw out of these women, for many of them, aspects of life that they'd never, they said this, I've never really thought about this before, I've never talked about it before, and giving them an opportunity to give voice to these aspects of their life that we can kind of take for granted, and and even because we take them for granted, we brush over and we don't um, kind of shine a light on them and give them any significance. So that it, just even that part of it, I really enjoyed the opportunity to sit, to listen, to draw out, to hear, and they shared, and and some of what they shared was raw and real, and rich because it was their own experience it was their truth it was where God was for where where God was with them in in a difficult um, pregnancy or birth where they drew on him in in life but in life as a as a mother and how they grew their faith And, and so it was just it was a really beautiful time actually to just sit and hear that um, often I could share because as an insider to the research I had shared some of those same experiences mm. 
certainly in the in the broadest context and so there were times when you kind of uh, where for me it was like oh yes I know what you mean I know exactly what you mean and other times when it was a, a story that I just had to listen because it was different to my own but but mm. so beautiful and so valid and valuable so yeah Brilliant. that part of it loved that Wow, yeah. I'm thinking of um, Proverbs 18:17 by memory from the Living Bible, which says, "Every story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight." So you know, so you you embodied that principle. You were listening, and you've already alluded to one finding that uh, the mothers didn't seem to think they had too much of value to offer, which should be probed, and I, I'm thinking. But what were some of the other main points? You know, what, what else stood out to you as you have done your listening, your reading, your analysing? Did some points stand out? One of the points, one of the whole areas that uh, was quite significant was the whole uh, idea of identity and as these stories unfolded for many of the women there was that reality that we actually can um, we, we kind of get a lot of our identity from what we do so I put that in quote marks what we do and and I experienced this myself when I was a mother and not working outside the home and people would say but well what do you do (laughs) and without kind of going well you know we do this and this and this and this and and kind of outlining exactly the day it it can be quite a difficult uh, sort of experience of relating what you do as as a mother and um, have it finding validity and worth and value in that when we live in a society where, where that is often where your value is found in your your occupation, your yes. vocation, your profession, or, or, or what you're doing. And I think um, even as I spoke to these women, some of them had really struggled with the idea of not working outside the home, not working in, in, in the field that they'd trained in, the field that they'd given you know many hours of, of study or what, whatever to, and giving that up and kind of having to work out what their identity was having to work out what they what they who they were and I think uh, in the context of of this being an, a theological study it's such a um, a reminder and such a a key thing which is that um, when our identity is found in Christ when our identity is as a child of God that is something that we can rest on, we can trust in, and it doesn't matter whether we are working in a high-powered business situation, whether we are on call 24-7 with our task, um, or whether we are, um, well, as obviously as a mother you are on call 24-7 a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Um, it doesn't matter if and when those things change because our identity in God is unchanging yes. and that's a that's a big thing mm. it's a big thing to kind of get get a, get your head around get a hold of and acknowledge and embrace and and really live out I guess and I guess that's the challenge is 
um, living out the reality of that, regardless yes. of whether we are full-time mothering at home or whether we are full-time mothers, because we are, but we're working outside the home from, from nine to five, five days a week or seven days a week or whatever. So that was a really big aspect of it and I think a big aspect that even within a Christian life we, we struggle with because even within even you would even have people at church say well, what do you do mm. <laughs> so it, it's a reality that we live with the, the connections between sort of faith and motherhood could could you unpack that a little bit like uh, does one help the other uh, do some people see them as separate um, sort of thing what how would you speak to that I mean that's huge Obviously, it, there's overlap, or there's there's shaping by both, and I guess this kind of is is full circle and comes back to the the question, the research question that I had to develop, which was how how does mothering impact your faith, and how mm. does faith impact your mothering, mm. and uh, the realities of this life that you, I mean. And I speak for myself that as much as you're prepared and as many antenatal classes that you do and as many people that you talk to and as much information as you get and as many books as you read, there's there's nothing that can quite prepare you for the reality of having a, a child that's fully fully your responsibility. I can remember walking out of the hospital with my first born and I can remember saying to my husband are they just going to let us walk out yeah. with him um, and that, that whole feeling of really you know uh, do they think we're okay with this <laughs> that we're going to be okay and and so many things that you have to work out and and the, the physical of that but also the emotional and the mental and the spiritual Yes, and that can be practical things like you're not free necessarily to just sit in a worship service and experience what God has for mm. you because the baby starts crying or it's their sleep time so you can't go. And, and so there's things like that. Yes. But I think also often the challenges that you face as a person as you grow and you change and you're experiencing sleeplessness or you know you're you're you get you experience frustration or, or even anger because you just can't control what's going on maybe mm. a crying baby um devastation because things aren't working out like you thought they would whether that's a you know a, a sick child or a pregnancy that doesn't go the way you thought so all of those things and I think they impact on the whole person yes. and I think it's really important that we include in the whole person the spiritual yes yeah I just listening to that you know have thought of a comment I heard many years ago that uh, any human who that goes without sleep for three days is prone to a psychotic episode. So I'm thinking parenthood obviously challenges that a lot. And, and I'm thinking of some of us would have our quiet time or something at some stage in the day, but parenting of course challenges that, as you have alluded to. And I read just last week, Dallas, no sorry, on a, a podcast, Dallas Willard said, 
uh, he tries to live his entire waking hours as a quiet time, which I was very impressive because someone like me might compartmentalize things. So I'm thinking the actual physical time reading the Bible or praying or something must be challenged. Um, does that diminish a faith journey or what would be your response? I think what came out of the conversations that I had with a woman was the need to be flexible, the mm. need to be creative, the need to um, kind of, because that's wonderful for Dallas Willard to live his yes. whole life as quiet time, yes. but it would be not impossible because there are some children who are like that, yes. but, and often if maybe that's your first child and you think I've got a handle on this, the second one uh, is, is not quite so much like that. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and one of the women I talked to, she said, you know, her quiet time with God was really important, really the quietness, the solitude, the, the being by herself and in her own head and in her own space was really, really important and she struggled with it. And what happened was she would sort of get up earlier and earlier and earlier to uh, have that time to herself. And then the sort of the, the two-year-old would would almost have a um, supernatural ability to, to know that mummy was up. up. Yeah. <laughs> so it must be time to get up. And she shared how she she took him and she sat him next to her and she explained she said in language he could understand that, that this mummy just wants some quiet time and he sat there and she got the quiet time with him and it was a it was a gift mm. because i mean it was a win-win yes really because he had the time with mummy yes and so that's beautiful yes but in, but she and she had the space to not have excluded him but have included him in her in her worship yes. and I think that's part of the journey part of the challenge is is to this the these children are part of my life now yes and that means part of all of it and I have to think about them when I'm going out and, and are they taken care of are they coming with me or, or what what have you and I'm and I'm worrying about their their mental and emotional but also how how are they part of what spiritually is going on in the house and I think as as we talked and and one of the other things one of the other kind of aspects of it that came through was also the the responsibility in both good and bad you know positive and negative ways that we can take for the faith life of our children yes. so the weight that we can feel for them being having a relationship with God um, but also the opportunity that we have to and, and, and some of them shared beautiful stories about how they encourage their children to pray and you know maybe God's suggesting somebody to you and and the child said somebody's name and they, and they went with it and they said let's pray for that person today and kind of encouraging their children to hear to, to be open to that um, 
another one shared, you know, uh, she was looking at some artwork that her daughter had done and she had a, um, a response that she attributed to the Holy Spirit's excitement and, and she shared that and I think that's a key part of us as more mature in faith being able to share that with our children. You know, this is God's presence. Mm. This is God. This is the Holy Spirit excited because he's creative. This is God maybe prompting you to to think about that person and maybe they need prayer today, so pray for them. And I think that's the really positive opportunity that we have and and I mean that and that's something we can all do as it's not just parents with our own children but it's something that we can be aware of doing for the next generation yeah wonderful yeah I'm, I'm thinking of the scripture where John says um, he has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the light or in the faith so he's referring to disciples in that sense but uh, I'm thinking, what would you say to a mother whose uh, children, so it's slightly different context, of course, children, uh, they might be adult children, are not walking in the faith. I'm wondering if there's guilt. I'm wondering if there's a tremendous projection and judgment and this conglomeration of factors, a response. I think when you say guilt, I think there's truth there and I think that also reflects back to the the sort of the idea that um, mothers right through from um, early years kind of can bear the responsibility of their children's behaviour and their children's choices and all that kind of thing and I, I think of some of the reading I did of over you know way back in in um, ancient times when it was like you know the breast milk could pass on the, the, the immoralities and that kind of thing and you think we, we haven't come that far mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think yes I, I, this is a this is a, a a very real kind of space that we can inhabit as mothers and feeling that responsibility. And I think that um, as hard as it can be to sort of what what we've got to um, resist that or or to um, kind of not sink under the weight of that, it, yes. it comes back again to. Um, our relationship as, as an individual and our relationship with God and not just um, who who I am but also recognizing that you know my children are, are children of God as well and and I guess that it, that comes down to trusting and faith and really trusting that God who's a faithful God and if he is who we say he is then he he will work things out for the good and that we inhabit that space of trust and faithfulness we um, one of the other aspects that came through in, in both the reading and, and the, the stories that I heard was this whole tension of holding on and letting go and I think we can spend a lot of our life as a mother and we're we're holding on but we're also we're sort of training up our children for the letting go process and we're training up ourselves for the letting go process but I think a big part of the letting go process in the in the in the physical and the reality of us wanting to grow adults we're not just growing children yes. uh, we're growing adults is that aspect of letting go and and we're letting go but we're we're letting 
our children go into the care of God and praying and continuing to pray, even if that's a season of kind of standing in the gap for them and and trusting him and kind of not letting that become the shape of our spiritual walk, but actually letting that mature our our faith, uh, even though they're hard days. Thank you. Um, That's a very rich response. Could I fire just a few statements at you for a spontaneous response? And as we come in to land this talk, there'll be one last big question. Do I I have a choice? (laughs) um, You can pass, but I'd be fascinated to get your uh, perspective on this. First one, mothering is the toughest job on earth. I hesitate to say yes, because there are many tough jobs. But I, I'm reminded, and I was just reminded as I was talking with someone this last week, that who knew when we made that decision to be mothers that we were agreeing to have a part of our heart uh, walk around the world yes. separate to us. And so I think in, in some ways it's it can be really tough. Yeah. But I think it's also can be one of the one of the most joyous as well. That's a beautiful phrase, have part of our hearts walk around on the Mm. earth. I don't think I've heard it before, thank Mm. you. Mm. Uh, Another statement, it's not possible to grow in God and be a good mother or parent at the same time. This is a challenge, and I think the challenge is um, often because when when our children are young and small, mothering is such a 24-7 hands-on all-consuming task and um, I think that can kind of create a little bit of a hurdle a little bit of a stumbling block because we we can become quite focused on that and and the challenge I guess we talked about how things overlap before and I guess the challenge is to not see these things as separate while I'm a mother I'll put my you know I'll put my faith on the back burner for now but actually they're all part of that's all part of life and um, my identity um, in Christ is part of is that life and I think including our children in our faith journey um, yeah I think that that can be a real learning and growing and we we might grow in different ways And, and look how many times have we sat in church and the children's message uh, has been one that's caught us right between the eyes because yeah. wow that was a simple truth that we needed to hear or um, a children's book has got a, a truth that's there that's so uh, clearly um, even a picture or, or, or the words are so simple and yet it's like oh my goodness that was the truth that I needed to hear again let's you know let's embrace all of it and learn where we can what we can be open to what God is doing in all the seasons of our life wonderful there's a statement I learned years ago uh, why did the teenagers cross the road and the answer is because their parents told them not to thought <laughs> Um, I, I, th- I think there's a lot of people who would go, oh yes, they're all they're out there nodding. They're, they're out there nodding. Um, I think it, it is absolutely going to be the case, but I think also part of it is not kind of anticipating um, 
we yes we need to sort of lay down some stuff but we also need to create opportunities for for our children to explore and that and then I think also for ourselves to explore and not lose who we are so there's opportunities there of of doing doing our own thing thank you a bit of a dance I guess in that vein of individuation perhaps Winnicott a famous uh, therapist said a child a teenager's job is to kill the parent (laughs) And the parent's job is to survive. Thoughts? I've heard this before, and I thought about it. And I, I think one of the biggest things that I, I that I that I thought about this was to not to be really careful as a parent to not create a self-fulfilling prof- prophecy Margaret. sort of situation. Mm. Because it's not a given that teenagehood, I mean, if we want to talk about teenagehood, but I mean, it's like people will talk about the terrible twos, and I just put quote marks around that. Um, None of these things are a given. There may be and there will be testing times, but to not assume that life with teenagers is going to be, or that every teenager is going to be uh, a hard time, problematic, good word. And I think... (laughs) So one of the things that I, I've, I did for a few years it was facilitate parenting toolbox courses. And one of the things is we, we sat and we, we um, sat with many, many families and we talked about a lot of these ideas, is that a lot of what you get in the teenage years is a result of the relationship and the, um, the culture as a family and the culture that you've, you've grown from when they were small. I'm not saying you get what you deserve, yes. but um, to not kind of put out there that, oh, it's going to all go downhill now, yes. it's going to be terrible and I just have to survive. There are going to be times when you just have to survive, but yes. there's there's also going to be richness and opportunity and there's beauty in seeing, I remember with my children, you start to see their their sense of humour come through. You start yep. to see their, their character and, um, you know, often it's like, that they're the helping person or the friends that they've got or the sports that they get involved in, the music, all those kinds of things. You actually start to see them kind of evolving as a, as a person, as the adult they're going to become. And there's, there's a lot of richness and joy and opportunity in that. And I would hate for people to lose that because they're hunkered down, <laughs> braced for yes. the worst yes. and actually miss um, some really precious Times. Wonderful, thank you. So for my last question, it's impossibly large, and uh, please pick and choose how you want to respond. But are there any insights or pearls you could pass on to mothers, um, perhaps busy and exhausted mothers? You know, how, how can one in this state grow their faith, you know? Mm-hmm. But alongside that, it could be framed, uh, what significance that came out of your research, you know, could you pass on to the world and change the world? And I, <laughs> and I guess the final thing is, um, if you want to speak to this, or maybe this is a topic of another interview, there are many uh, people who would love to be mothers or parents, and for a variety of reasons that's not their experience. Um, that's thrown a whole lot at you. Would you like to respond to some of that? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Um, I guess to to answer the last thing first, which will probably mean I'll forget the first thing, um, (laughs) 
and and this was a, sort of a further I you know you look at what what further um, research you could do and I think there's a lot of there's richness in uh, spiritual intellectual emotional mothering it's not um, yes in this particular instance I was talking with women who've got children um, biological children and we were drawing out some of their experiences but I think um, especially the the faith and the passing on of faith and the caring for and the interacting with I think there's a lot of richness there with women who choose to spiritually mother spiritually care for and um, feed into and enrich the lives of other people and of all ages. Yes. Uh, so I think there's a real richness there that we acknowledge and, and honour and, and rejoice in. So I think there's a wonderful opportunity there for people and that is valid and, and is beautiful. Um, I think for... <laughs> I can't remember which question this was, but I think that for mothers... It can be so easy to be caught up in, in, in doing that full time, and I, I know this for myself, that you can kind of lose who you are. And even though there can be seasons where you, you just feel like you've, you've got to be there and you're on um, full time, I think there's such value in being able to, um, in, in the um, spiritual space to be able to see who you are as as an individual and as as a child of God who cares for you so deeply and to be able to um in in a very small way to be able to acknowledge that you know I'm caring for my children but God as a parent is caring so much more for me yes as well and I think to not get lost in that and I'm a I'm a I'm a firm believer in self-care and to actually work out what is it that you know brings joy what is it that you love to do and to work out how you can kind of embrace and feed and nurture yourself uh, even in that really hectic season but to actually not lose yourself as a person and as as an individual um, as a child of God but with all that you do whether that's a creative outlet or um, sporting or you know, interests or you know, finding new interests and, and that kind of thing so I think that's a really important thing and I read somewhere <laughs> recently which is like having a shower on your own is not self-care <laughs> and so I think it's important to find that and I mean self-care is kind of a uh, it is encapsulates it all, but it is it's kind of nurturing your faith, nurturing your interests, nurturing who you are as a person, and not kind of feeling like, well, I'm a mother now, and everything else can go onto the the back burner for, for now. Uh, so I think that's really important. Um, as for changing the world, <laughs> um, I'm not sure I can do that on my own. Um, I'm going to leave that up to Jesus. <laughs> Probably a good call. Um, but one of the women that I talked to, one of the things that she said, and she repeated it, and she said it again since that time, was how significant it was for her and how validated she felt 
and having the opportunity to share her story and have it become part of something more and something bigger. And so for me to have the opportunity to give voice to these women, even though it's a very small number, but that other women might look at it and go, oh, that their story resonates. And to also see that validation, I think for me, that is a very big part of what I feel um, that I've achieved, that I feel uh, that, that enriches me, but I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have been able to kind of bring that as a gift and an offering Wonderful. for them. Wow. Well, Alison, you're fantastic. Um, it's oh, been, shucks. It's been brilliant <laughs> speaking with you. And, and I just hope and pray that people uh, will uh, read your material, uh, that it will become published, and I think it can change the world. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Kerry has a range of pathways that can help you learn how to weave together God's Word, God's World, and God's Work. For more information about on-site and distance study, visit kerry.ac.nz.